know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for your word today that we've read, um, that your Holy Spirit would unite it in our hearts, that we would see and believe. Help us to seek and ask questions like Nicodemus. But Lord, give us eyes to see and a heart to believe the unseen things. We love you and we thank you. And I pray that as Justin speaks, um, your Holy Spirit would work in us to convict us and to open our eyes to see the things that only your Spirit can allow us to see. We love you and thank you. Amen. Thank you, Jay. All right, grab a seat. Welcome to Flatiron Park. It's good to be here. Celebrate outside a little bit. Uh, if you're brand new, you're walking up today and you're, you're seeing us for the first time, we're so thankful you're here. Uh, we typically just meet right down the street at the corner of 8600 South, 1300 East. It's a joy to be with you and uh, to open God's Word today. And as we begin, uh, we want to start the day by celebrating God's radical transformation that he has caused in Titus Hamill's life. So I'm going to bring up Titus Hamill this morning and family. Come on up. I had an opportunity to uh, speak with Titus and hear from Titus this week. And it's amazing. God has given him new life and a new heart. And uh, so we're going to get to hear a little bit about his story, and then we're going to see him baptized this morning. So you want to share with us? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, this is really loud. Um, so my name is Titus Hamill, and so I'm going to tell you about my life before and then after I accepted the Holy Spirit into my heart. So before, I didn't care that much before I sinned, when I sinned, I mean, <laughs> but Still, I didn't really care that much, and I didn't try to be a true friend that much. Also, but when I accepted the Holy Spirit into my heart, I went the complete opposite. 
That's the transformation that we're talking about. Transformation, it's not just a reformed life, it's a whole new life. And that's what God has given Titus Hamill. So I'm going to send these guys over. They're going to get ready. We're going to baptize. Um, let's pray first. And then uh, I'm going to talk to you why we baptize. And then we're going to celebrate baptism. You want to pray for us? Yeah. Father, thank you for my son. And thank you for his zeal for you. Thank you for his rebirth two years ago. And how he has been just chomping at the bit to show everyone his love for you in baptism. I thank you for what you've done, what you've taught him, what you've gifted him with. Thank you that our Titus John is a pleasing leader of the Titans. And um, I, I just pray for this blessing and anointing over his life that... Um, we would get to see him grow into a man of God. And I thank you for this, for this opportunity to baptize him. And um, I pray for salvation early on in all of our children's lives here at Church of the Valley. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 All right. You guys get place. Let me talk about a few reasons why we baptize at Church of the Valley. Uh, the first one, Jesus was baptized. And so if Jesus was baptized... And then who are we to say that we don't need to be baptized? So we want to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. We want to, we want to follow his, uh, his commands. And Jesus commanded us to be baptized. In Matthew 28, it says, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so we want to be obedient to the commands of Jesus. It's a public demonstration of an inward heart change. And so there's no way to demonstrate publicly what God has done in our lives, but through baptism. And so this is the way you go public with your faith. And you say, hey, I want to make this known. I want to make this known to our church family and community. And we want people to know that Jesus has changed our life. It follows the pattern throughout all the New Testament church where we see over and over again where people believed and they were baptized. People came, they, they received Jesus Christ, they, they moved to faith in Jesus, and they followed through with baptism. And it's a reminder of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. One of the things that we talk about when someone's baptized, we say, you are buried with Christ in his death, you go under the water, and you're raised to walk in a new way of life. God has given you a whole new life, raised again, new life. And that's what we celebrate. And so God has changed Titus's heart. He's given new life. Titus has been born again. And we celebrate that with you, Titus. Now, Titus is getting baptized in the back of a Ford pickup, all right? Now, there's, there's places in the South where this wouldn't count, all right? Because if you're not baptized in the back of a Chevy, it doesn't count, all right? But baptized in the back of a Ford, that should tell you something, all right? This is legit. This is legit. Um... There's nothing special about this water, all right? Filled it up with the water hose at the house before I left this morning. It's Jesus who changes us. It's Jesus who transforms us. This water is a symbol of that transforming work that Jesus brings about. So Titus, can you hear me? Is it true that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Awesome. And you guys got to cheer when he comes up from the water here in a second, all right? Titus, upon your public profession and faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we baptize you, our brother, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in his death, and raised to walk in a new way of life. Love it. I love it. We're celebrating with you today. 
Well, today we are in John chapter 3, and what a perfect illustration as we begin, because we're talking about what does it look like to be born again. And we see in this, this story, in this, this testimony, interaction with Nicodemus and Jesus, that Jesus says, you cannot enter the kingdom of God without being born again. So I think it's essential for us today, we got to discover what in the world does it mean to be born again. Last week, we talked about uh, at Church of the Valley that many people believed in his name and they saw the signs he was doing, but Jesus didn't believe in them. Jesus had rejected them. Jesus did not entrust himself to him because he knew all people. He knew what was in a man. And that's where the passage ends in John chapter 2. And then we start in John chapter 3, and it flows right into our passage today. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And, and what we see in this is this is an illustration that Jesus gives us of a man who Jesus knows his heart. Jesus knows what is true about this man. Jesus is illustrating that he knows the hearts of man. And he desires everyone to experience life. The last verse that Jay read, verse 15 of chapter 3, says this, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Now, here's what I would tell you. I don't believe that there's a person here today that doesn't want eternal life, that doesn't desire to have eternal life. Eternal life is not just more of the same. The, the life that, is, that, that Jesus is talking about here is the Greek word zoe, which is a whole new type of life. The zoe life is the abundant life, the, 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 the thriving life that only Jesus can bring. The life that you have right now, the, the breath in your lungs, the blood flowing through your veins, the life that happened when you were conceived as a child— that's bio-life. The Bible uses that term bio-life. You, you have life, but there's a type of life, zoe life, that can only be brought about by the work of the Holy Spirit. It's this eternal life that Jesus wants to come and offer us. It's a life of vitality. It's a life of abundance. No one is born with this type of life. You have bio-life. You have physical life, but you don't have this abundant life, this zoe life. So this type of life can only be brought about by God. And Jesus comes to give us this whole new life. The life many of us are longing for is not found in the world. It's found in Jesus Christ. In him, may we have eternal life. So we aren't born with it. And what he talks about here with, the, with, with our man Nicodemus is the impossibility of life. Here's what I mean by that. It says in verse chapter 3, it says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He tells Nicodemus that you don't possess this type of life. You don't have the type of life that I'm talking about. And you cannot experience this type of life. You can't see it. You can't see the, the kingdom of God. And he goes on to say you can't enter the kingdom of God. There's no way of possessing this type of life apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. And the word you want to focus on in this passage is, is the verse that says you cannot 
in verse 3. You cannot see the kingdom. There's an impossibility of life. We cannot experience this type of life apart from Jesus. Now, it's important to know a little bit about Nicodemus. Nicodemus, it says uh, that, that he was a ruler. He was a Pharisee. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. He was a teacher. He was someone who was well-respected. He's probably not a man who's ever been told that he can't do something. No, none of us really like to be told that it's impossible, right? That seems like a challenge to me. Like, hey, you can't do this. And I'm like, ah, oh, let me show you. I can do this, right? Just enough strength, enough will, enough desire. I, I totally can do this. And here is a man, a ruler, a very powerful man, uh, a very religious man, a very well-respected man. And Jesus comes to this man and he is told he cannot do something. This has to be defeating. Have you ever done something that's impossible? Have you ever done something that, that was just extremely challenging? And, and, and we struggle through it. And, and what we're told here in this story is that it's impossible to see the kingdom of God without being born again. He's a Pharisee. A Pharisee is someone who is well-respected for their religious uh, following. Like they, this is someone who... Uh, prayed hours a day. He fasted twice a week. He tithed all of his income. This is someone like if you're looking for a church going kind of buddy, this is your church going buddy. Like he is solid when it comes. But Jesus says there's something in him. There's something in his heart that didn't cause him to entrust himself. And he's saying there's, there's something lacking in your life. And you cannot enter the kingdom of God. If anyone that we think about if anyone had life, we would think it's this guy. This guy has life. It's like life doesn't get any better. This guy's a leader, well-respected, wise, popular, well-learned, scholarly. And to tell someone like this, you can't, would have to be bold. Jesus told him, you must be born again. It's interesting. This is somebody that probably has life figured out. And Jesus comes to him and says, you got to start over. Start over. There's probably a lot of us here who want to start over. Anybody played the game of golf? You get a mulligan, right? You shank one off the first tee and you're like, hey, I get a do-over, right? And many of us want do-overs when it comes to life. We want to start over. But here's a man who seems from outward appearance that he doesn't need a do-over. He doesn't need to start over, but this is the very man that Jesus comes and says there's something lacking. You need to start over. you got to start at the beginning. As someone who's religious, he may come to Jesus. He sees Jesus as a well-respected teacher and may come to Jesus and say, I just want to add Jesus onto my, to my life. I just want to add his teaching onto my life. And Jesus says it doesn't work that way. You can't just add Jesus. you got to start over. Why? Because Jesus knows what's in a man. Jesus knows what's in the heart of Nicodemus. Jesus doesn't just look at the outward appearance of a man. If we look at the outward appearance of Nicodemus, we see he's faithful, he's wise, he's serving, but God is after the heart. Nicodemus in this passage is constantly focusing on the physical. We read on in, in verse 4, it says, Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? He's like, how do you start over? How do, how do you go back and do this again? 
Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now that's a sight, right? Jesus answered, truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and a spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God. See, Nicodemus is so focused on the physical. He's so focused on the outward. He's so focused on, on, on the outward movements of life, but he misses the spiritual. And Jesus is encountering and, and going after the spiritual. In verse 4 it says, he cannot enter a womb for a second time. He's got to be born of water and of spirit. There's three interpretations of that text. I'll give you all three. The first one is if when a woman gives birth to a child, her water breaks, okay? The amniotic fluid, we, we see this, this picture like this is water, born of water, and this would make sense in light of the passage that Nicodemus is talking about here. You got to be physically born initially, and then there needs to be a spiritual birth. That would make sense in light of the passage. The second thing is water, speaking of baptism, you need to be baptized. And why we believe that baptism is very important, we don't believe that baptism is essential to enter the kingdom of God. But we can understand that someone who has spiritually been given new life, that they would want to follow the Lord in baptism, that they would be cleansed by Jesus, that they would experience that cleansing and they would follow through in believer's baptism and be born of water and of spirit. And then we go back. The third interpretation is found in Ezekiel chapter 36, and we read this, and this is a quote. It says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness, and from your idols I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put it within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. And so we see this picture of, of this transforming work that, that, that the Lord would come to do. And ultimately, what, what we know, which one is right, we don't know. But here's what I would tell you. What we do see in the life of Nicodemus is this, is that Jesus is after relationship, not religion. Jesus is not after your activities, after your heart. He, he's after your heart. He's after your soul. Religion doesn't bring about Zoe life. Going through the motions of church activity doesn't bring about Zoe life. Adding Jesus to your repertoire of life does not bring about Zoe life. You have to be born again. And we see that this impossibility of life is there for two reasons. Our hearts and God's holiness. When we look at John chapter 3 and John chapter 4, there's quite a spectrum of the characters played out here. In John chapter 3, we see the story of Nicodemus, the religious, the upright, the ruler, the popular, the, the person in society that everyone's praising. And then we go into John chapter 4 and we see the woman at the well who's the outcast of the society. In some ways, she's, she's got a shady past that people are looking down upon her and she's traveling and navigating life outside of the context of community. And I, I give you these two spectrums, and I think Jesus gives us these two spectrums to show it doesn't matter if you're the religious of the religious, the elite of the elite, or you're at the bottom of the social class. We all need Jesus. We all have brokenness in our hearts, and God is holy, and because of his holiness, we are separated from God. But God doesn't leave us there. We all need Jesus. In, in Matthew chapter 26, uh, we, we see that the disciples are talking to Jesus and they said, who can be saved? 
But Jesus looked at him and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So there's an impossibility. We can't gain this life. But with God, this life is made possible. Where does this life come from? He talks about it. The inception of life. We see the impossibility of life, but we move on to the inception of life. Where does this life begin? Where does this abundant life come from? And in verse 6 through 8, it says, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. So where does this life come from? It comes from the spirit. It doesn't come from us. It doesn't come from our flesh. And he says, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Let me ask you a question this morning. What responsibility did you have in being born? Did you choose that? You didn't choose to be born. No, like, you had no responsibility in that. You didn't cause your birth. You didn't bring about your birth. And the same is true, and he relates that to our spiritual birth, that you have no control over it. It is a response to his great grace and mercy in our lives. The Spirit gives birth to Spirit. In in chapter 1 of John, verse 12, it says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, meaning it's because your parents were Christians, And because your parents went to church and your grandparents went to church and their grandparents went to church, it doesn't flow through your blood. You don't get this Zoe type of life because your parents went to church. It doesn't come that way. It doesn't come through blood. It doesn't come through the will of the flesh. I'm just going to try harder. I'm just going to work harder. I'm just going to do more. It doesn't work. It doesn't come through the will of man. It comes from God. It comes from God. In the same way you didn't cause your birth, you don't bring about Zoe life, you can't bring this about. This life is caused about the Spirit of God, and in some ways it's a mystery. Nicodemus doesn't understand it, and he keeps seeking. We'll see him appear two other times in the Gospel of John. Nicodemus doesn't understand this. He says the wind blows, just as the wind blows. We can't we, we, can't, we don't know why the wind blows. We don't know how, where the wind comes from, but we can see the effects of it. And it says that's how new life comes in. The Spirit of God moves like a wind into our life. The last thing is this. It's the icon of life. We saw the impossibility of life. We cannot enter the kingdom of God. That's the impossibility, Right? We can't do it. We talk about the inception of life. Where does this life come from? This life comes from the Spirit of God, but the icon of life. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? He doesn't understand. Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we've seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe If I tell you heavenly things, no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. An icon is this, and this this is the icon of life. Icon is a representation of something greater, right? You have icons on your computer desktop. Like, the icon's not great. It's what it opens. Like, you open that icon, you click on that icon, and it opens up a file, and that's what you really want. The icon's a representation of what's there. 
And what we're seeing in this story of a serpent lifted up on a pole, it's an icon. It's a representation of something greater. We see this in Numbers chapter 21. It says this, The Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit people. These were snakes, all right? These snakes bit people, and many of the people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, he shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent, set it on a pole, and if the serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and he would live. Now, how many of you hear that story and you're like, that is crazy, right? And, and what's interesting, if you look, even still today, on the side of ambulances, you know what's on the side of an ambulance? There's a, there's a pole with a serpent on it. And it's illustrating, look to the serpent and you shall live. It's a symbol, it's an icon that's meant to point to Jesus. That if we look to Jesus, we will have life. Now he's speaking to a teacher, he's speaking to someone who is super wise. And you've got to imagine how foolish this must sound. He's like, you're a teacher of Israel you, and you don't understand these things? You remember the snake that was held up and people would look at the snake and the bronze snake and it would heal people? And Nicodemus is probably like, man, that's so foolish. How in the world does this bronze snake on a pole actually bring about some type of healing and medical healing in my life? And here's what I would tell you. People are still claiming that today. We look to Jesus, a man dying upon a cross. He wasn't lifted on a pole, but he was lifted high upon a cross. And we're to look to Jesus and it's on that cross that Jesus died for the forgiveness of sins and to give us this life, this Zoe type of life that Jesus was talking about here. It's foolishness. It's foolish. And I, I would tell you, we are looking to a lot of things to give us life. But we're failing to look to Jesus to give us life. We see here it's a snake who healed, but it wasn't the snake who healed, right? It's God who healed. It was representative of something greater. Jesus isn't a greater he isn't just a healer, he's the greater healer. Here's why. The people that we see in in Numbers chapter 21 verse 8 and 9 where they looked to the snake, what were they given? They were given physical life. But Jesus gives us more than just physical life. He gives us Zoe life. He gives us abundant life. In John chapter 16 verse 21 it says when a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come, right? Anyone who's given birth recognizes the pain in that moment. And it says, in that moment of giving birth, there is pain. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for the joy that that human being has been born into the world. And what Jesus is using, the hour has come that's used so frequent, talks about the moment when Jesus will go to the cross. And in that hour, in that moment, when Jesus would go to the cross, he would experience anguish. He would experience pain. He would experience extreme suffering. But he says, it's for the joy of what was going to be born. It was for the joy that he was going to bring about Zoe life in mankind and human beings that he was going to give you that abundance that he would endure this 
So you ask the question, what must I do to be born again? We look to Jesus. The Holy Spirit moves like a wind. We, it's pretty still right now. We would love a breeze. But the Holy Spirit moves across the people of this earth to lift our eyes, to see Jesus high and lifted up. We're made aware of our heart and, and God's holiness. We're made aware of our sinfulness. We're made aware of our separation. We're made aware of the fact that we can never get, be, like gain this life on our own. We can't heap up enough good works. We can't be religious enough. We can't go to church enough. This life has to be birthed in us. And it's Jesus who comes and does that. And so through the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm praying this morning that even now as we gather here, that the Holy Spirit would sweep across like a wind and that your eyes would be lifted up from yourself and your pridefulness to figure out that I can do this in my own strength and realize we cannot. There is an impossibility to life. But he's given us life. And if we'll look to him, he will give us this Zoe type of life. We can't have this life apart, to God, apart from God. We have to look to God. And it's not just a reformed life. It's a whole new type of life. It says in verse 15, as we close, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. The word believes there because I think there's some who may be here and like, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus. What's in this for me? Well, believe here is not a past tense word. It's not something that happened when you were Titus Hamill's age, but it was something that you keep going, that you're ongoing believing in Jesus, that you're continuing to look to Jesus. I know plenty of Christians who say, yeah, I'm, I'm living, I'm surviving, but I'm not thriving. You know what? I'm, I'm alive, but I'm not alive in the Zoe type of life. The life that Jesus came to bring, the life of abundance. And what we're reminded of in this passage is that if we'll look to Jesus, if we'll keep looking to Jesus, if we'll keep believing in Jesus, we will have eternal life. Eternal life doesn't happen sometime in the future. It begins right here today. So here's what I would say. Christians, those who follow Jesus, who believe in Jesus, hear me. Jesus is not just offering some religious guy here named Nicodemus life. He's offering you life. He wants you to have abundant life today, right now, right here. I believe there's also people here today. You've not been born again. I think it's the greatest question. One of the, the most faithful evangelists of our time, Mr. Billy Graham, said you must be born again. And he would preach that in stadium after stadium after stadium after stadium. You must be born again. The most important decision and question that you can ask, have you been born again? Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And here's the thing. Sounds foolish, right? doesn't seem like it should make sense. seems like a snake lifted up on a bronze pole and we're looked to it for healing. God uses the foolish things of the world. And it's by looking to Jesus, looking to Jesus upon the cross, trusting in Jesus, believing in Jesus, confessing Jesus, 
that we can be born again and we can have new life. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the fact that we can be born again. We can have a new start. We can have a fresh start. The life we have now is not all there is. You've come to give us more. You've come to give us abundant life, life to the full. We want life to the full, life overflowing, Lord. I pray that we would look to you, that we would see you, that we would see that you just came not only to give us physical life and healing, but you came to give us abundant life. So, Lord, I pray today for those who are here that the wind of the Holy Spirit is moving throughout us, that it's opening eyes to our sinfulness and your holiness and realize that there is no religion, there is no amount of activity that could ever get us there. I might try to take off and swim to Hawaii and I'd never make it. I might swim a mile, you might swim a 10 miles, but we both missed it. So, Father, thank you that you don't cause it. You say, hey, you can't swim. I'm, I'm going to do it for you. You cannot, but I can. So, Lord, we trust in you, we look to you, and we pray today that today would be the day of salvation for many. Lord, I pray that you would save some. Lord, that you, you would help them realize that today they're not born again. They've not been given new life. They can't stand up here like Titus Hamill said and, and say, here's where my life was, but Jesus gave me a whole new life. These things that were true of me, they're no longer true because Jesus gave me new life. Lord, we want that life. As Christians, we want that life. So, Lord, I pray that you would bring, help us to look to you today, the author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing this morning. I'm going to have some people that are going to be um, here on the sides and in the back. Uh, some of them have name tags. If, if you're somebody who can pray with somebody today, will you stand up for me? Just do that. You'll see these guys. They're going to be standing around. And if you're here today and you know, hey, I, I've never been born again, and I want to, I pray that you would find one of these people standing, that you would go to them today and just say, hey, would you pray for me? That's all you need to do. Last.